The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm either going to be a Raider or I'm going to be playing golf. Like, I don't want to play anywhere else. You know, this that's how much this place means to me, and I don't... I know I don't get really fired up talking about it or anything like that, but I hope people can hear my heart on that, that I was dead serious when I meant that. At the end of the day, I want to be a Raider, um, and I am crazy enough to go out there on one year, and especially with the guys that are going to be around me, I said, I'll, I'll take that chance, you know, um, you know, and see, see what happens. But, uh, you know, I think for me, I, I am a little bit different, you know, in the way that I think and the way that I view this business. And I know not a lot of people view it the same way I do. I mean, you see guys wanting to get out and leave places all the time because it's too hard or it's not the right situation and all that kind of stuff. And more power to them. But, you know, I just, there's something about this place where I was just like, I'll do whatever it takes just to be here. And so, you know, for me, if it was one year, yeah, I mean. Wednesday edition of PFTPM, Miles Simmons, Mike Florio. Apparently, the heat wave is either over in Southern California or Miles finally broke down and got the Commando 8, a wall unit air conditioner, to cool (laughs) off his place. You are looking downright chilly today with your layers on. Oh, I am. Yes, but it's wonderful, Mike. The, The heat wave has broken it's like 63 degrees down here in sunny Santa Monica. It's beautiful. My apartment is so cold, and I don't even have to do anything about it. There's currently a day that happens to me every spring where the temperature outside gets near 80, and right now it's 79, and uh-huh. I have not yet turned on the air conditioning for the space in which I sit, which mm. is the attic above my garage. So needless to say... I'm not just sweating this hour because the shower didn't take after I got in my workout, which is part of the reason. But this is one of those days where it's going to be a toasty hour. I'm going to feel like you felt last week, although I don't have the short sleeve solo uh, polo. No sun's out, guns out for me like you last Friday when it was, uh, what, 80 degrees in It was 90. It was 90. It was 90. 90. Yeah, yeah it right. was 90. Yeah, it was bad. Well, good thing you don't have to talk much today because we're going to be talking a lot about Baker Mayfield. I think that all we have to do, or at least all <laughs> I have to do for the course of the next hour is say, Baker Mayfield, go. And you can take us all the way to the heart out at the top of the hour. Before we get to Baker Mayfield, though, you heard and saw Derek Carr at the top of the broadcast. He has a new contract with the Las Vegas Raiders. And as always... The initial reports are big and bold and, to some degree, fabricated. Three-year extension, $121.5 million, $40.5 million per year. Puts him right near the top of the market, more than Dak Prescott. Well, then, you look at the deal. And the way that the deal is structured, it could be one year, $24.9 million. He was due to make $21 million anyway. So he gets a $3.9 million raise for this year. And the Raiders, if they want, can tear the thing up 
after this season. Now, now, guaranteed money that currently applies to injury only. And if he emerges from this season with some sort of serious injury and can't pass an exit physical, then the guarantees do kick in. But if he's healthy, they have until the third day of the waiver period. That means the third day after the Super Bowl. It's technically regarded as bad form if you have guarantees that vest tied to the start of the waiver period to actually cut the guy before they become due. That's just a way around the funding rule. That's why they tie it to that window. If it's tied to the start of the league year in March, then it's fair game to cut the guy. That's what the response would be, and the Raiders would be pissing a lot of people off if they cut Derek Carr after one year. But that doesn't change the fact that they could and that the other contracts we've seen don't have that device in there where it could be cut short by a team decision to cut the player. So this could be one year, $24.9 million. And I guarantee you, if it's just a disaster of a season for Derek Carr, if he plays like crap, if he can't figure out the offense, if Josh McDaniels, after having full access to the guy for the offseason program, training camp, preseason, regular season, decides he's not the guy, bye-bye, Derek Carr, hello, Tom Brady. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Whoa. bye-bye, Derek Carr. Oh bye-bye, Derek Carr, at a minimum is potentially likely. So another example of whenever you see the tweets from Schefter or Rappaport, I'm going to lump them both in there because they're usually, one of them is in the mix at the front end of this. They regard it as an occupational hazard that they're going to be fed a line of crap and that they're going to be passing along to you, the audience, something that is not true. I would rather wait and get the truth for you, even if I am days or in this case only hours behind i was surprised that the real numbers came in as quickly as they did so that's the truth on the Derek car deal it could be one year 24.9 million that's a far cry from you know the dak prescott deal which is a firm and real 40 million a year or the deshaun watson which is a real 46 million a year fully guaranteed for five years so that's where they are with Derek carr and i'm not sure why he did it why not just go ahead and play at 21 million keep your options open for 2023 and i don't buy this crap he wouldn't play for any other team i mean come on man i look i i i i know i give him too hard of a time at times but i don't buy the idea that he would not play football if all of a sudden the raiders said we don't want you anymore i just don't think that's true Oh, gosh, if all you have to say is Baker Mayfield for me, man, all he had to say was Derek Carr for you, and you just were going, man. That was great. I mean, I don't I'm really buy that I'm very conflicted on Derek Carr. I'm very conflicted why, on Derek Carr. Uh, why are ahead. you very conflicted on Derek Carr? Now let's put you back on the couch. No, because I think on one hand he's a big phony, but on the other hand I think he plays the role of the phony so well he's kind of become that guy. And when you become that guy, it's kind of like the Tebow thing. You know, my, my wife would always tell me, why are you hard on Tim Tebow? I said, because it, there's an element of, of fraud there. He's selling as someone who he really is not. And that just kind of bothers me. I'm very big on being who you are, even if it pisses everyone off. I'd rather people be who they are. Life is easier when people are publicly who they are privately. And what you see with me is what you get for better or worse, usually worse. But uh, so, and she said, but you know what? If it's, if it's all fake... So what? He's he it's it's a good way for him to be like kids don't don't think of it the way that an adult does that there's fraud there and he's not really that guy. He's a nice guy. He does nice things. So what if he's just doing it as some sort of an act or a show or that's the guy he wants people to think that he is. He's still doing it. So with Derek Carr, like I feel like he's acting like the way he thinks a franchise quarterback should act. And 
he's not really that guy. Maybe over the course of eight years, he's become that guy. By, by repetition of pretending to be that guy, he has kind of spoken it into existence, if that makes any sense whatsoever. When he's not speaking in a fake country accent, he speaks that franchise quarterback role into existence. That's where I am with Derek Carr. So I like how he comes off. I just think sometimes he's full of crap. Yes, I I mean, I think most quarterbacks are sometimes full of crap when they talk. I, I tend to agree with you on the I don't want to play for any team but the Raiders. And if I wasn't playing for the Raiders, I would go play golf. Right? I, I mean, that's that feels to me very, very hyperbolic because he's going he's what, 31. I think he might have just turned 31 or he's going to be 31. So he's not going to be somebody that's just going to be sidelined. I mean, if he really wants to more power to him. But I think that what you're saying about the whole, you know, I could go place, I could go place somewhere else, but I don't want to. And today he goes, you know, well, some people they've decided that they want to go someplace else because it's too hard or it just wasn't the right situation, but that's not me. And I think all of that is kind of easy to say when you're sitting in the position that he's in right now, where he has signed a contract extension where, you know, he is at this point under contract through the 2025 season, whether or not the Raiders have an out. And obviously, as you pointed out, they do have an out after one season. And if it's a disaster, then I think it's not just going to be the Raiders that would want to move on, but he also would probably want to move on. And the fact that they put in that no trade clause kind of gives him some protection in the form of I get to choose my destination as long as they don't cut me before the waiver period ends there. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of different things at play, but I don't anticipate it being a disaster for Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders in 2022. I mean, I, I don't. I think that they've done a lot of good things to improve. I mean, you don't bring in Devontae Adams and then anticipate that it's going to be a disaster. These two guys played together in college. They've wanted to play in the NFL for some time now. I mean, we were talking about it last offseason that Derek Carr had been saying, oh, well, you know, if Devontae and I ever get the chance, we want to play together. Well, now they've been able to realize that, and now they get to prove what they can do on the biggest stage in Las Vegas, right, in this shiny new stadium that's got grass, and they get to practice in a great new practice facility. They should have good coaching with Josh McDaniels, who's a great play caller. They've got Josh Jacobs in the backfield. They've got Darren Waller. They've got Hunter Renfro. I mean, I don't... I just don't anticipate this being a disaster. So I'm going to take the opposite view of what you're going for right here, Mike. Well, and I got a couple of things to say. First of all, I become more and more convinced as time goes by that no trade clauses are meaningless for quarterbacks. They really are because who's going to trade? Who's going to trade for a quarterback who doesn't want to be there? Who's going to do it? Uh, It's meaningless. You're not going to do it. I mean, no one, no one's going to do it. But at the same time, like, I mean, you, if you can get that protection in writing, then why would you not want it? Right, but you're not going to dump Derek Carr onto some other team. You're not going to do it without him wanting to go. And the other side it's of Matt, it, too. It's the Matt Ryan example, right? Did right. Matt Ryan have a no-trade clause? I don't know that he did, but they weren't going to send him any other place than the Colts if that's where he wanted to go. If they're going to trade him, they're only going to trade him to a place he wants to go. Last year, the Bears were interested in Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz wasn't interested in the Bears. Bullet dodged by the Bears. I digress. But at the same time, they don't want him if he doesn't want to go there because You need somebody who's going to embrace everything about the job beyond showing up, punching a clock, putting in your work, punching the clock, and going home. You need somebody who's going to act like a member of management, who's going to take full ownership of the locker room and do things that go above and beyond what you're paid to do. That said, the way this is structured, the trade 
issue won't even come up. If they get to the end of the year and they're done with him, they will cut him because that trigger is in there weeks before we get to the point where they could even trade him. They're going to have to have him on the roster long enough for the guarantees to vest before they would even be able to trade him after one year. So if they decide to get rid of him, he's gone two or three days after the Super Bowl at the latest. I'm not saying it's going to happen. My point is he signed a contract that gives them the power to do it. And I can't help but wonder, Miles, whether or not Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, both students of the school of Bill Belichick's dark arts, decided to push the buttons and pull the levers on Derek Carr to get him to do what he thinks a good franchise quarterback would do, to do a team-friendly deal, to put his money where his mouth is. He's committed to this team. Hey, here's the contract that you need to sign if you want us to have flexibility to afford the players around you that allow you not only to be here for as long as you'd like to be here, but to be successful while you're here. Tom Brady always did it, and Tom Brady has all those championships. And, Derek, we assume that you would like to have one championship or more as well. This is how you get there. Trust us. Next thing you know, his signature's on the document, and people look at it, and they say, even though on the surface they want us to think it's like a high-end franchise quarterback contract, it just isn't. It just isn't. Okay. I mean, yeah, but, like, again, you – you're going worst case scenario here, which is fine. And that's, but that's you, you know, you're, you're the cynic. Well, you know and why? Like, you know I, why? I, I no, 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 because no, no, no. because I, I do know why, because the worst case scenario no, often don't. happens. And that's right. why NFL There's team structure things like this. Okay. What is it? When you practice law and you're involved in litigation, you are constantly dealing <laughs> with a worst case scenario come to fruition. Seriously. It's because, Every it's because piece, you're a lawyer. <laughs> I'm telling you. Every piece of litigation that, but it's the truth. Miles, think about it. Every time that people end up in court, it's because something bad that wasn't anticipated happened. Business deal gone south. Automobile accident. Industrial accident. Hey, I was involved in a case 25 years ago that caused me to swear off having a propane grill for decades because- I learned a lot about propane and how it operates and how it works and how it gathers and it's heavier than air and it can collect. And with one spark, boom, that's it. End of story. And there was more to the case than that involving titanium dust that ignited at over 2000 degrees Fahrenheit and burned a guy to a crisp in seconds. But that will get you to think differently about propane. But that became a case because the worst case scenario happened. So that's why I always think of the worst case scenario, because when you litigate, you're always seeing worst case scenarios come to life. Okay, great. But again, look, what evidence do we have at this point that Derek Carr is going to be a disaster with Josh McDaniels? He's never been a disaster. We, we, we don't. He's, he's we don't, never but, been a disaster. But, but why, the, the why, why structure planning, the contract to give him an out? Why structure the contract to give him an out? Because they, because they can. Because that's the way NFL teams work. That's the way smart NFL teams work. Is they plan for the worst case scenario. Or they know that a worst case scenario can happen even if they believe in whatever it is that they're doing, right? I mean, I, 
The way their car was talking today, it seems that the, the Raiders always wanted to go into this year with Derek Carr as their quarterback, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, unless Tom Brady was going to come out of retirement and maybe come there, or somehow they could get like Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson, who I would make the argument has not necessarily been as good as Derek Carr in the last at least season, let's call it. Or you maybe can get Aaron Rodgers on the off chance of that. I mean, it just seems like they were saying, we know we can do something with Derek Carr. And the way they've operated has been, yeah, let's make this thing as good as we can make it because we feel like we have a franchise QB that can, at the very least, get us to the playoffs. You don't go and trade for Devontae Adams if you really, on your in your heart of hearts, think that you're going to have to pull the plug on Derek Carr after one year. I mean, I, I just, I don't think that that's what you would do. Would you do that? If you thought that you were going to have to get rid of Derek Carr after one season, would you pay all that money to Devontae Adams? No, but if I knew I was going to get Tom Brady potentially in 2023, I would think about it. My <laughs> point is this. They've structured the contract to give themselves the flexibility. That's what surprises me, that they can okay. do it. Not that they will, but okay. that they can. And these other contracts given to high-end quarterbacks are locked in for the first two years. Derek Carr is not locked in for the first two years. And that is surprising because even the teams that refuse to fully guarantee money beyond the first year of a veteran contract will do it for a quarterback. The Packers don't guarantee beyond the first year of a veteran quarterback contract or a veteran contract. They'll do it for Aaron Rodgers. They won't do it for anybody else. The Bengals so far haven't done it. They'll do it eventually for Joe Burrow. So that's what surprised me about the Derek Carr contract. It's good for the Raiders. You know, Raiders fans get salty and pissy because I point this out. And like, folks, it's good for you. It's a good development. We're not knocking the team. We're knocking. I'm knocking. I don't know what Miles is knocking, if anything. I'm knocking this weird ritual in the business for people to pump these contracts up without taking a closer look at what they really are. And I'm saying this is a good deal for the Raiders. It's team-friendly. They have flexibility. You should be very happy if you're a Raiders fan today. You get Derek Carr, and you have the ability, if for some reason the worst-case scenario happens this year, to move on from Derek Carr after one season if you want to. Yes, yes, and that's good. But, I mean, when you start talking about Derek Carr and Raiders fans, and I learned this in 2019 when I covered the team on an everyday basis, like, that's a – Oh, those are some two words, man. Derek Carr is a big trigger there for those Raiders fans. But I mean, I, I think in what way? Things... In what way? They don't like oh, him. Oh my gosh! No, some people really like him, and some people think that everything he does is wrong, and that the Raiders should have moved on from him years ago. And he's never won a playoff game, and he's this and he's that. But I mean, I, I think you know, it's interesting what you said about you know Derek Carr and the whole like he believes what he says at this point because he said it so many times. I mean, I think there might be an element to that. But I do believe him when he says that he's only wanted to play for the Raiders, that playing for the Raiders is the realization of a lifelong dream for him, right? I, I believe that. I think it means something to him that he is a Raider and that he has played for the franchise and that he's set all these records and, you know, these beaten Ken Stabler and all these different numbers and things like that. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's an interesting thing. It's a good thing for the Raiders, but like, you're still not going to convince some of these people who are Raider fans that Derek Carr is good. And well, that's just the way it is. But you, for other people, it's like Derek Carr can do no wrong. It's not his fault. At least Kirk Cousins has won a playoff game. So there's that.
And uh, <laughs> Derek Carr is going to have a hard time getting to the playoffs this year. And it's not his fault the Raiders are in the division with the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Chargers. But they could be better than they were last year and not get to the playoffs like they did in yeah. 2021. And, hell, they gave the Bengals everything they could handle. And But for that weird call at the end of the first half where the whistle blew, but the play kept going. And even after that, the Raiders were driving to potentially force overtime late in the game. So they have plenty of reasons to feel good about where they are. And if you're a Raiders fan, you got to be happy about the arrival of Devontae Adams, the presence of Darren Waller, as you said, Hunter Renfro, as you said, Josh Jacobs, as you mentioned, and now Derek Carr will be there at least for this year, and if the Raiders so desire, up to three years more and possibly beyond that. But it all comes down to whether and to what extent he clicks with Josh McDaniels and can run that Raiders offense. One guy that won't be the Raiders quarterback, at least not this year, maybe he's the guy that is the fallback in 2023 if they decide they don't want Derek Carr. Because remember, once upon a time, Josh McDaniels was very interested in Baker Mayfield. We had been waiting patiently for this podcast appearance involving Baker Mayfield, where we were finally going to hear more from him beyond that social media farewell to Cleveland. So much had happened since then. The Browns had traded for Deshaun Watson. We'd heard he wanted to be traded out of Cleveland before the Watson deal went done. And then he wanted to go to the Colts, and it didn't happen. So we finally get to hear a little bit from Baker Mayfield, or a lot as the case may be. It was an hour and a half. And there was a lot (sighs) that we had to kind of suffer through to get to the meat as to why we were there. So well done, guys who did the podcast, to delay the Browns' questions as long as you can. I learned a lot more about Baker Mayfield's time at Texas Tech than I wanted to, a lot more about his intramural success, or lack thereof, at Oklahoma than I wanted to, and a lot more about that dog that was flashing Baker Mayfield on the couch that Baker was sitting on. Eventually, he got to talk about the Browns. Here's some of what Baker said about his time with Cleveland and specifically how that time is coming to an end. So I have no regrets of my time in Cleveland of what I tried to give to that place. Right. And true Clevelanders and true Browns fans know, know that. And that's why I can walk away from the whole situation feeling like I, I did it. And now do you, feel like, do you feel like the way the office has handled it has been disrespectful to you given, what's, given where you came in and where they are now and... Uh, I mean, yeah, the respect thing is like it, it's all it's all going to be like a personal opinion. Yeah, like, and I don't. Like, no, I no, I feel disrespected, hundred mm-hmm. percent, because I was told one thing and they completed another. That's what I'm in the middle of right now. And you know what? Okay, I got I got my taste of it because I've had four different head coaches in four years, a bunch of different coordinators. I've had talk about the highs. They always come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always come back. <laughs> always yeah. Come back. That dog, I guess that is the Thanksgiving turkey pose for the dog. That dog looked like a cooked turkey. Can we get a still frame of that? That dog was so chill, and the dog stole the show. The dog was on the couch the whole time, and at one point Baker had to tell the dog to, like, roll over because there's a certain thing you can't see on the dog in that image, thank God, that Baker didn't want in his face as he was trying to do the podcast interview. But, look, he felt disrespected by the Browns. They told me one thing. They did something else. Well, yeah. They told him he was their guy. And it went from, at the end of the regular season, the Browns are moving forward with Baker Mayfield. Then it became, well, the Browns have told Baker Mayfield they're moving forward with him unless they can get a truly elite quarterback like Deshaun Watson. That isn't what he was told at the end of the season. They decided affirmatively, after considering everything, to move on from Baker Mayfield. And they have. And now Mayfield moves on. And 
We'll see where he ends up. We're going to talk about that more in a second. But what was your reaction as a Browns fan to hearing what Baker Mayfield had to say about how your favorite team treated him? Well, I, I think that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, I understand why the Browns would move on from Baker Mayfield based on his on-field performance. And I also do understand why Baker Mayfield would feel disrespected by the entire process. And especially considering that the Browns moved on from Mayfield to somebody who has 22 ongoing civil lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions. Like, I, I get why he would feel that way. However, like I said, when you look at the on-field performance... I think that if we're looking at, again objectively at that, if you look at Deshaun Watson and what Deshaun Watson does on the football field and look at Baker Mayfield and the inconsistencies that have plagued him throughout his career, not just in 2021, but I mean, you can even look at some of those performances in 2020 and say, uh oh, you know, there are some things here that you might be a little bit concerned about. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. And this is kind of just what the cost of business is, right? And we're talking about the NFL, and it is business. You know, when you can improve any position on the football field and you have the ability to do it, NFL teams are going to go do it. And so especially now that the Browns have perhaps solved the quarterback controversies that, you know, have plagued this team since 1999 with somebody that can play that position potentially for 10 years, like you're, you're going to do that. You know, you're in a division with Lamar Jackson and, and Joe Burrow. You're in a conference with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and um, the Los Angeles Chargers quarterback, Justin Herbert. Wow, that name escaped me for a second. Like that, wow. there's a lot there you know, that you have to contend with in the AFC. So I get Baker Mayfield feeling disrespected, but I also think that the Browns are well within their rights to try to upgrade any position. Well, absolutely they are. And it all comes down to the reality that it's a business. It's a cold, hard, objective business. And just because they told you something once doesn't mean they're going to stick with it when they have a chance to take a step back and really ask themselves, is it in our best interest to continue this relationship with Baker Mayfield? So, so, where were Baker Mayfield play next? That's another topic that he discussed while he was sitting on the couch next to the dog that was in the baked turkey pose. Here's Baker Mayfield. Where do you, uh, where do you think you're going to, do you have any idea where you're going to land? Oh, man. If this would have been about a week and a half ago, I would have said Indianapolis. Um, Mm. Seattle I mean it would probably be the most likely option mm-hmm. but even then I, and, no, you, I and where you're sitting you don't give a fuck I just, I'm ready for the next chapter right, right. the next opportunity because the only one I'm guaranteed it with the next spot is one year because that's I have one more year of a guaranteed contract mm-hmm. so I have one year wherever I go and it's my next interview it's something to put on my resume for the next job mm-hmm. whether it be I play that year wherever it's going to be and they extend me for longer or if it's that year and then I get picked up somewhere else Mm. I know I have this one year to do as much as I possibly can and look that's the right attitude that's the right approach and he sort of confirmed the Colts were where he was looking at first and he didn't seem to be salty that the Colts chose 47 year old Matt Ryan instead of Baker Mayfield (laughs) 
But then he said Seattle was the most likely option. Well, I'm, I'm, well, I know what you're uh, doing. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I get just, what you're I'm doing. Just yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, having yeah, fun. Yeah, hey, yeah, when, you're, yeah, yeah. when you're closing in on 57, you can make fun about somebody who's 37 actually being 47 because, frankly, I would take 47. Although, based on how the last 10 years have gone big picture, I don't know that I'd want to live them again. So maybe I'm content to be 57 soon enough. Um, Seattle Seahawks. The most likely option, according to Baker Mayfield. I don't know how Drew Locke feels about Baker Mayfield saying that publicly. And <laughs> I've yet to hear any specific trade chatter that the Seahawks are going to make the move. The one thing I was hoping that we would get by way of insight from Baker Mayfield was whether he thinks there'll be a trade or whether or not he'll agitate to be cut. Because if he is pissed off at the Browns, and he seems to be, he feels disrespected. Mm-hmm. Why does he have to play along with whatever efforts they would undertake to try to trade him? He can just say, no, I don't want to be traded. I don't want to be traded. How about Seattle? I don't want to be traded to Seattle. I may sign with them if, they, if you cut me, but I don't want to be traded there. I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to have more insight on that. And look, I, I don't want to diss the guys that were interviewing Baker Mayfield, but I didn't get the impression oh, they really go. understood some of the nuances and the opportunities for meaningful follow-up. It was just kind of sit around and chew the fat. And that's fine. It gets a guy relaxed, but there's openings there. To ask some probing questions, but first you got to understand the facts and the circumstances before you can even articulate the question. So I can't really fault them for that. That's not their lane, but there really was a lot of meat that was left on that bone. Oh, for sure. But I mean, that's the interesting thing about these podcasts, right? I mean, they provide fodder for us to talk about, even though they're not, you know, like the most professional interviewers and the professional interviewer in me when I'm watching something like this and I spend 90 minutes watching it. And we were certainly 90 minutes closer to death after watching all of that. But like, I, there are things where I'm like, ah, oh, man, I wish they would have dug in a little bit more um, on certain subjects. But, you know, I, with him in Seattle and Drew Locke and all this, like, I mean, I can certainly see Baker Mayfield being traded there, but... I also can see him not being traded there. And so I think what you're talking about is him kind of being an irritant, being an agitant and being like, hey, no, you have to cut me. I don't want to go there. I, you know, you may trade me there, but I'm not going to show up. And if I say that publicly, then what are they going to do? They're not going to they're not going to say any. They're not going to trade anything for me to you because it's that's just the way it's going to be. So, I mean, I don't know what his real options are at this point. I mean, I guess it's going to have to be after the draft where we see where some of these quarterbacks go that maybe something would start moving on the Baker Mayfield front, also the Jimmy Garoppolo front um, for for that matter. But the interesting thing is going to be next week, right? I think probably Baker Mayfield's not going to be in attendance at Brown's off-season program. Deshaun Watson is supposed to be. But what if he just decides, like, hello, I'm here. I'm sitting in this chair now. Yes. Mm. Isn't this a little uncomfortable for you? Mm. Yes, get rid of me. Trade me to where I want to be. I think that would be very kind of interesting. If I had time to talk to Baker Mayfield, I would ask about that. What's your strategy? You went from wanting to be traded and not intending to show up for anything to being in a position where it may be in your best interest to show up and say, deal with me. I'm going to go lift weights in your facility. It would be a shame Mm -hmm. if I dropped this 25-pound weight on my foot and you can't trade me after that. Now, the reality is he's guaranteed his $18.8 million either way. And that's another angle here to keep in mind. If they would trade him and he would not show up, with another team there's no bonus money left to recoup remember when jake Plummer years ago was traded mm-hmm. by the broncos to the buccaneers and he retired 
The Buccaneers ended up recovering like $3.5 million from Jake Plummer of bonus money that was paid to him by the Broncos because they held his rights. He didn't show up, and they were able to attack his bonus money. There's none of that, but he's not going to get his $18.8 million if he doesn't show up. And if right. you skip days of training camp, it's a $50,000 fine. And one of the little-known tweaks in the CBA, for guys in their fifth-year option, if they miss preseason games, fifth-year option only, if you miss preseason games, you're fined the amount of an entire regular season game check for every preseason game that you miss. Learned that with the Cleo Mack holdout back in 2018, I think it was. 2018? 2018. So Did they change uh, that in this one? They didn't change it? No, it's, it's there. No, it's been there. It's I, thought been you there. Meant, I thought you uh, meant the new, new CBA. Sorry. No, 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 no. Just the CBA generally. It's, in, okay, it's 2011 it. when they added the fifth-year option. One of the right. things I didn't know about and learned about it with the Cleo Mack case was you get fined a game check if you're in your fifth-year oh. option and you hold out into the start of the preseason. So he's going to have to show up at some point if he does get traded. But if he just doesn't want to be there. Now, see, that's the thing. He, he said Seattle. He said the magic word. And I think mm-hmm. the Browns now have clearance to trade him to Seattle. He, he didn't say, I don't want to play for that old man Pete Carroll. I don't want to live in the <laughs> Pacific Northwest. The team's going to suck this year. And, and, you know, how good are they going to be? I don't know. I think it's in his interest to make sure he goes somewhere where he has a good enough season that either that team gives him the contract he's been looking for or he gets it on the open market. You don't want to go somewhere where the team's going to be horrible and then you're potentially going to be horrible, especially after the way things went for him last year. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think of the teams that, you know, can get a quarterback right now, it would be Seattle or Pittsburgh that I would want to go to if I were a Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, that is just easy for me. But the Browns obviously aren't going to trade him to Pittsburgh. So if it's going to be a trade, then yes, Seattle seems like the best option from my standpoint. And I think it makes sense that he would mention them. Uh, Let's go ahead and take a break because we got more to talk about as it relates to Baker Mayfield. And specifically, you know, he had good year in 2018, bad year in 2019, good year in 2020, disaster last year. How much of that was because of his shoulder injury. That's another topic on which he shed some light during his podcast appearance. We'll discuss that when this Wednesday edition of PFTPM continues right after this. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles. With the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return, shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. I tore my labrum completely, like, full front, like, basically 90% in the back. Um, And then that was week two. I did that in the first half. Played the rest of the game was fine. Uh, but then four weeks later, we were playing the Cardinals, and I dislocated my shoulder again. But I dislocated it so bad and at a different angle that the bone, like the humerus that goes up into your shoulder socket, like the big bone right here, mm-hmm. comes up into your ball and socket, and it forced its way out. And I fractured the bone because it, like, it wasn't going to be like just a clean exit. Right. So I fractured the bone. So when I had the labrum done... And that fracture, the inflammation, everything. I had no function in my left shoulder. Mm. And we were going into a week, a Thursday game that week. Monday, I couldn't lift my arm. Yeah. But I literally, when I, when I couldn't raise my arm, I was like, I, I can't do this. Mm. That was the Thursday night game against, who did they play? Denver Broncos, right? Yeah. That was the Case yeah. Keenum game. 
Yep. And remember, that was the week. Okay, this gives us some interesting context because it was an ugly dislocation the second time when yeah. he busted the shoulder. And remember, on Tuesday of that, there it is, on Tuesday of that week, he was basically saying, hey, it's up to me. I'm paraphrasing, but I'll decide whether or not well, I'll I've play. got the quote. Yeah. And this is yeah, a day made- after. This is a day after he's made the decision, I can't do this. Right. I know. Well, no, what he said, and I've got it right here. He goes, I have to make that decision. Only I know how my body feels. And if anyone questions whether I'm hindering the team going out there injured, that's just not right. So it's my decision. I get to say whether I'm able to play or not. That's just how it is. So like, you know, now he's saying that, I mean, this is, it was just a weird thing. It was weird when it happened. And I'm like, what do you mean? I make the decision whether or not I play. That's not like when the the whole thing that um, Chris Mortensen, not Morton Anderson, said, where the you know the Browns want more of an adult at quarterback. This is kind of the stuff you mean, where it's like you're not going to press conferences and saying like, no, I decide when I play, or you're not skipping your media obligations because you beat the Detroit Lions, but you played like crap. Like that's just that's the maturity stuff where it's like, okay, dude, you were hurt. And like, that's fine. Like these things happen, you know, like it's not your fault really that you got hit by JJ Watt like that. And you came down badly and then it re-injured the shoulder. Now we can debate whether or not it was his fault that he got hurt in the first place. But that, that, I mean, there are just a lot of things there that I just feel like throughout listening to that 90 minute, you know, podcast, it was a miserable year for everybody. It seems like with the Browns, when it comes to Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield included, it just, it seemed miserable from what all the things that he was talking about. And I'm thinking back to the hour and a half of my life that I invested into listening to that podcast today. And I worked while I listened to it. I saw it wasn't a complete waste of time, but I could have had something else on. I could have had the news on. I'm trying to rewatch all of better call Saul before season six debuts, because I find myself with some of these shows that haven't been on for like a year or two. Like when we watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the latest season, the first episode is like, what the hell's going on? I've completely forgotten. And they just assume we all know exactly what had happened in the last episode. It's like cliffhangers aren't what they used to be. When the show disappears (laughs) for two years, you kind of forget what the cliffhanger was. So uh, anyway, um, instead, I devoted 90 minutes to listening to this. But God, why don't you? And and again, again, I'm not faulting these guys because you know what? If these guys were ready – to ask Baker Mayfield all the tough questions, he wouldn't have done it. Baker Mayfield, I think, selected this because he knew what it was going to be, and it wasn't going to be. So what did you think when ESPN reported that the Browns won an adult at the quarterback position? I mean, they really could have stirred some crap if they wanted Mm -hmm. to, and they didn't. And maybe that was, hey, ground rules happen all the time. They happen all the time. And they're not going to come on and say, by the way, in order to get Baker Mayfield to agree to do this, we agreed to ask only a handful of pre-approved questions about his time with the Cleveland Browns, which possibly occurred as well. I don't know anything about this podcast. I never would have watched it or listened to it, but for the fact that Baker Mayfield was on it. And I mean no disrespect. There's a lot of podcasts out there. They don't have the time or the desire to listen to. They're not for me. I know what I like. I know what I want. I know what I watch. I know what I consume. I'd never heard of this one before. I don't know if it's a big deal. I don't know if it's a little deal. I don't know anything about it. All I know is there was a lot more there that I wish Baker Mayfield would have been asked about, including... What did you think about Mortensen's report? 
Yeah, of course. But I mean, there were there are some interesting things that I felt like kind of gave some insight into his character, you know, since I was listening to this for like 90 minutes. You know, like when he was talking about how he got arrested, right, back when he was still at Oklahoma and they ended up doing some sort of internal discipline, but not really all that much. And it was like, he just kind of brushed it off as like this not big deal thing where it's like, oh yeah, you know, I got a little public uh, intox. That's like, bro, like you also ran from the police. Like this is not nothing that he got arrested and it was just like, I don't know, it showed the privilege of his of his way of thinking and his mindset where it's just like, yeah, I mean, this happened like, bah. but it also was true because it's not like that was any real part of the discussion leading up to him getting selected with the number one overall pick. And he also won the Heisman. And it's like, well, Baker Mayfield, he's this, he's that. You know, he gets to rally his teammates around him and all this. And like, he's, you know, got this moxie and, you know, he'll be able, they'll be able to get him in Cleveland and he'll get them. And it's like, so, I mean, like, I, I get that part of it. And then also when he's like, you know, oh man, I wish I could go to somebody's cubicle and like boo the bleep out of them. It's like, bro, like, you're a professional quarterback, man. Like, this is the most scrutinized position in sports. And, like, I get that, like, nobody wants nastiness. I, I don't necessarily think that people deserve to, like, be just treated poorly all the time. But, like, at, but in one breath, he says that, and in another, he's like, well, I love it when I go to another stadium and they're, like, booing me, they're booing me, and then I make a play and I silence the crowd. It's like, all right, well, like, that's kind of what being a fan is. And it's what being a, a professional athlete is. And that's why you get paid so much money is because you're entertaining us and you know, you have real talent and like nobody who's, <laughs> I think I know a few people who, if they got paid 18, whatever million dollars this year would be like, yeah, Baker, come and boo me and tell me how terrible I am at my cubicle. So I don't know. It was a fascinating window into who he is. He admitted to having a Napoleon complex at one point, mm -hmm. and he is a guy who you can tell during a game when he makes a big play, he's got an extra little juice. And I prefer a guy who doesn't need that, that extra motivation to hit his highest possible level. But it tells me that my hunch is right. He'd love to play for the Steelers. What better way? And if the Steelers get him, if I'm the Steelers, I'm thinking, holy crap, this guy is going to be ultra-motivated to compete with the Browns every week, even when he's not playing the Browns. Every Absolutely. win from the Steelers affects the Browns. And his entire season is going to be devoted to making the Browns regret the way they treated this guy. Even if we decide not to keep him beyond 2022, this guy is going to be on an, a 17-game vendetta against the yep. Browns. This is the guy we need. And even though he didn't say anything about the Steelers, the way he's wired... That came out, and he would love, I believe, to go back to Cleveland this year and play the Browns. And if he could play the Browns at home and on the road, even better. And if he crosses paths with them in the playoffs, even better. That's what he is thriving on if it potentially happens. As to the going to their office and booing them, I, I, I would be concerned that, you know, the person may storm out and lose a pinky toe in an accident out on the street. And uh, that's what happened when Jerry Seinfeld showed up at Pendant Publishing to heckle Toby, who had heckled Toby at his act the night before. You have – man, I'm very disappointed. I'm Sorry. very disappointed. You don't know what you're missing. What do you do with your time? All of these classic <laughs> shows and movies you haven't seen, at least you've seen The Godfather. I'll give you I a have, golf yeah. clap for that. But, Thank yeah, you. that's a classic episode of Seinfeld where Toby shows up to support him, but Toby ends up heckling him. 
Toby is uh, one of the managers or editors or whatever at Pendant Publishing. So Jerry shows up to, to heckle her, and she storms out. Her pinky toe is severed. Kramer saves it by putting it in a box of Cracker Jack with ice. Um, anyway. Wow. I've now spoiled the whole episode, which is yeah. about 30 years old. The episode's probably older than you, although, no, you, you were born, like, in season two. So it's, it wasn't season two. It was, like, season four or five. All right. Enough of that. Here's a little more from Baker Mayfield on dealing with the negativity that was around the Cleveland Browns in 2022 or 21. Like I'd, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I got caught up in all the like negativity and stuff uh, during the year last year. Um, postseason, I when I got my sur- surgery, I was out in California. My marketing agent's out there. Um, had him grab all my social media, change all the passwords, delete it off my phone. The only thing I have is Bleacher Report. That's why I get football notifications. That's the only reason I know anything going on in the world. It's amazing to me. Now, let's think about this. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the self-awareness. Yeah, but he was very self-aware on this podcast. He was. Can't be trusted with his own social media accounts. He had to give his phone to someone and have them change the passwords on his Instagram and Twitter so that he would not punch down on those who would be heckling him via social media. I guarantee you there's some Baker Mayfield burner accounts. There's no way (laughs) Baker didn't set up separate accounts to have a voice, right? Am I right? There has got to be multiple Uh, Baker Mayfield burner accounts out there Uh. where he is joining in the discussion about those who dare criticize Baker Mayfield. I, you know what? That wouldn't surprise me at all, especially after we learned that about Kevin Durant. But I mean, you and I were sort of texting about this earlier. It, it, it seems like Baker Mayfield is very sensitive. And he kind of said that. He basically admitted it in that podcast. But I mean, you're talking about somebody who can't even be trusted to not look at stuff like that. And I mean, I get that, man. You know, sometimes we want to see what people are saying about us, positive or negative. But it's like, that's It's something you have to be able to compartmentalize and be able to get over in order to do your job. And it seems like Baker Mayfield knows, at least for right now, it's not necessarily something he can handle. So I I hope whatever his next stop is, he he figures out the best way of handling that. I mean, whether it is having his social media accounts, you know, the passwords being changed by somebody he trusts that he can't look at that stuff. I mean, maybe that's exactly what he needs and that's going to help him at his next stop. It really is unbelievable he was that candid about it. Here he is talking about how he's going to approach his next NFL locker room. I'm not, I'm, I'm like, not going to force it. I'm going to be myself because yeah. I feel like I feel like I tried to force it when things on the field weren't going well mm-hmm. in the like in the past couple of years. I feel like I'm going to go in there and be myself because that's worked for me in the past. I'm going to go in with the same work ethic mentality, and like, and if they don't like me, that's fine. But when I step on the field and I and I play as confident as I am and, and what I think I'm going to do on the field next time I get a chance to do it, I'll earn the respect of the guys that didn't appreciate it from the beginning. Like so, and that, and that's if I'm worried about getting them to like me, what am I doing? They don't care if I if if I like them either. They want their quarterback to win. They're trying to get a paycheck. If their team wins, they get paid. So the guys that don't really personally like me, that's fine. But I have to have their respect. And that that's fair. That's yeah. fair. And, and and that's the key. Look, I bet plenty of guys did not like Peyton Manning, but they respected him and they wanted his approval and they didn't want him to be mad at them. And 
the team succeeds because of that mentality. So, look, Baker's yes. book has a lot of chapters left in it. He could still be a damn yeah. good quarterback in the NFL. And I really Absolutely. do want to see him go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I really want that outcome. Steelers and the Lions are the two teams that I continue to root for to see Baker Mayfield's next act because I think he still can be a very good player. I, I really think he can be a good player, too. And I also thought one of the things that was interesting that he said when it comes to his next stop and leadership is basically an acknowledgement that he has to be better at leading men who are getting paid to play football. Because he said, you know, I had success with it in college where you kind of know how to get up in a guy's face and lead by that way. But he basically acknowledged that he wasn't good enough at it at the NFL level. So that's something that I guess is going to still be in his mind for wherever he goes next is that, as he was just saying there, you know, I got to be myself. If they don't like me, that is what it is, but I've got to earn their respect in some way. And so that's an interesting acknowledgement of needing to be a little more mature, perhaps when it comes to that leadership. And that apparently was one thing that the Browns had on their minds when they wanted to move on from him. So I think all of this is interesting. I think that wherever Baker Mayfield goes, it's going to be a revenge tour. And if he does so happen to end up with the Steelers, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting story. The Browns fan in me does not quite want to see that. But, you know, if it happens, yeah, we'd talk about it and it would make some interesting fodder for sure. I remember a point that we made when everything was going sideways for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. There wasn't a single teammate, current or former, that came mm -hmm. forward to take up the cause for him. So maybe Still his self-awareness includes they really didn't like me, and all I can hope for in this job is to be respected by these players, and I'm not sure that they respected him either. I don't know yeah. about that. I think I th – look, and again, well, I, st I still think he can it, be – I That's still think thing. he can be good, yeah. I, 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 but I still recognize he can be good. But it's how he carries himself, how he conducts himself, and, and the edge that we saw from time to time. If you have to deal with that all the time as a teammate, if he's that guy that's always got something to say, that's always got, you know, I could, you know, we know, we know people like this, always got something to say, always trying to twist a knife, always, always on the defensive about anything you say that he may be interpreting as a slap at him. It gets exhausting dealing with people like that all the time. Um, absolutely. I mean, and honest to goodness, that's why I keep going back to that game against the Lions where the Browns won the game. And as the quarterback, he did not fulfill his media responsibilities. Like, I think that that's a big deal because it means that you're making other people speak for you. And basically any other quarterback I've seen, and I've covered some not great quarterbacks in my time, and I've covered some very good ones in my time. But when the defense plays a game that wins it for you and you play like crap, what the quarterback does is they go to the podium and they say, man, what a great day for our defense. I am so thankful that we have those guys on the other side of the ball. And it's my responsibility to be better next week. And I will be. And that's really all you have to say. You can be disappointed. But when you talk about leadership, that's kind of what it is. You know, the quarterback gets paid to go say those things. The quarterback gets paid to do those things like take responsibility for everything, you know, and then spread credit around when things go well. It's the same as the head coach. So that, I guess, like hopefully Baker Mayfield's kind of learned all of these things. And it seemed like he's starting to and he understands, yeah, I have to change a little bit 
then my next stop in order to really be successful, not just on the field, but in terms of building camaraderie and partnership and brotherhood in the locker room as well. Let's take a quick break. Good news is there's only three breaks this show because we talk for so much. But the bad news is we don't <sighs> take a break now. They're going to pull the plug on us forever. We'll be back to wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFTPM right after. Plenty of people attend the funerals of those that they hated. I'd attend right. your funeral. That's right. <laughs> Proving my point exactly. Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste your time reading, uh, reading crap like that. Like Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste your time. <laughs> Reading, uh, reading crap like that. Like Mike Florio. I mean, don't hey, waste your time your book. reading, uh, yeah, reading crap go. like that. Like right. Mike Florio. I mean, don't That's waste enough. Your time That'll be fine. That'll be fine. <laughs> well done. Well done. So, so it'll be Sims and Miles at my ah. funeral. They'll both there be pallbearers and they'll drop me. Um, <laughs> all right. Enough morbid thoughts on a Wednesday afternoon. Whoa. The XFL announced... It's eight head coaches today. And somebody asked me, why did the XFL announce their head coaches today when they're not playing until a year from now? Well, because the USFL comes back on Saturday night. And the USFL got the head start, got the jump on the XFL. So The Rock was on ESPN this morning touting the eight coaches, which include Wade Phillips, Rod Woodson, Heinz Ward, who I wouldn't have thought of as an XFL head coach, but hey, he interviewed for the Texans job, so I guess he's qualified. Anthony Beck, former PFT alumnus from the afternoon show. Bob Stoops back in the game. Jim Hazlitt, who was a coach of a pretty good Saints team once upon a time. I kind of like this lineup of coaches, Miles. Oh, I love Wade Phillips being among them. I I wish he were a D coordinator somewhere because I think he still has something to give to the game. But, I mean, hey, he can do it in the XFL and then maybe he'll win the championship or whatever and then somebody will bring him back. Yeah, Wade Phillips is one of my favorite people I've ever covered on a day-to-day basis. Like, if you don't like Wade Phillips, there's probably something wrong with you. I'd love to know the real story on why the Rams moved on from Wade Phillips after three years when he was there with Sean McVay. And, yeah, Kevin O'Connell could have considered him as the defensive coordinator, to start his stint with the Minnesota Vikings. So very curious about why his time with the NFL ended. I feel like he's a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve a little bit too much, says things that may turn people off, and that may have short-circuited his time in the NFL. But I love that he's back in the XFL. And, and look, people ask me, what's your take on USFL, XFL? And I know the, the NBC networks are people televising some of the USFL games. People are asking me that. No, like radio hosts. Many people are asking you? Okay. Many many are saying, many are saying (laughs) that spring football is back. I go back to 1983, Miles, years before you were born. I was a senior in high school, and the USFL was debuting. And it was a Sunday in March. I was 17 years old. I had a driver's license. I was interested in the thing that 17-year-old boys are interested in. And I found myself sitting on the couch, excited to watch football, and I turned the game on, and after about five minutes, I said, what am I doing? It's a spring <laughs> Sunday. I'm 17. I have a driver's license. I have a car. I'm not going to sit on my ass and watch football for three hours. And I've never been interested in spring football. And I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that because NBC has the USFL games, but I don't really care. I can't get myself interested in spring football. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm not contractually required to try, but I will try it again. I tried it with the AAF. I tried it with the XFL. I'll try it with the USFL. We'll cover it. We'll see what happens. We'll see if we're interested in it. But 
I'm just a firm believer in football during football season, and they've got to change my mind about that. Well, you know what? If you're 17 years old with a driver's license, I really just couldn't imagine that you were going to be okay without spring football. Do you know what I'm referencing? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Is it a movie that you saw that I didn't? It's a song, Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> we're going to have to. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. We're out of time. Leave it at that. We can dis- okay. We'll discuss off air. See you tomorrow morning. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.